Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the podcast. I, again, today am streaming my podcast live onto Facebook, and I appreciate everyone who tunes in for both of those things. I'll remind you that if you appreciate what I'm doing here in this podcast and you want to support the show, please feel free. I encourage you to donate to the show. That is paypal.me slash airy in the air. The support helps keep this show going ad free. So today I essentially want to kind of share some things that I have been thinking about for quite some time. And I think that in the midst of all of the things that are happening, I think that you are likely more receptive to the ideas that I might propose today. Essentially, we are in what yesterday I described as a meta-crisis. It is not just a medical crisis. It is not just a public health issue. It's actually a number of different things that are stacking on top of one another. It is the obvious coronavirus that is a public health issue that stacks on top of a financial issue that like 70% of Americans work paycheck to paycheck. Also that the fiat currency that we live in and the global financial system is very delicate because it is a house of cards that we're going to get into kind of today. But in general, I think that people in these times, as they kind of get a Veil. The veil is very thin right now for people to be able to see into the different levels of fragility that all of these various systems have. And we're going to talk in a little bit about fragility and why systems are fragile, which ones are, and... But in general, yes, I think that right now is a particularly unique time for people to be receptive and to be curious about what the fuck is going on and how we have come to here, right? So it is my intention to share my thoughts here that hopefully provoke your thoughts that will lift the veil on certain things that we're dealing with and in the end, provide some kind of framework for you to understand the problems that we face as humanity in a more clear way, as well as some pretty simple steps to take to move forward in a positive way. Okay. And so to begin, I would say that I have been reading, listening, talking, hosting this podcast, having deep conversations with intelligent people. And I'm going to post a couple of links in the comments below when I'm done with this live stream to some YouTube videos and some articles that are written by and hosted by people who I really uh, respect their perspective, their opinions, their research, their the work that they do. So I'm going to do that in the comments below. 
Some of those people are Jordan Greenhall, Daniel Schmachtenberger, Jordan Peterson, Stefan Molyneux. Those are all people you can look up. But in general, I think that we could describe our situation as we are at a global scale civilization level collapse. Um, and collapse is not a word that I'm going to use on all levels. I don't think that our society is collapsing currently, but we are definitely coming to the end of the workable frameworks that we have used to get to where we are. We are finding ourselves in a place where just like in our ecology and our environments that are being strained to the point of collapse, um, we're going to see that certain frameworks that we've used to get here are nearing their the end of their lifespan as well as nearing the end of their workable like their their scope of efficiency that the, the frameworks that we've used are literally going to not be able to solve the problems that we're actually facing so it's my intention here to kind of outline what the problems that we're actually facing are so I would say that for the first time in the history of humanity, we are living in what can be considered a single civilization. We are a global civilization right now. And if we look back in history, if we look at the Romans, the Greeks, the Aztecs, the Incas, the Mayans, as well as the tyrannical regimes of the Nazis and the Soviets and even Venezuela right now, we can see that civilization is not inherently stable, right? That is part of it. We have never seen that in our lifetimes and our own intuitions are conditioned by our experiences. And so to begin this conversation, we actually have to realize that our own intuition is probably not sufficient to understand the problems that we're facing and to address them, right? We've never seen in our lifetimes a huge collapse in our societies or civilizations. And as such, we are going to need to use things other than our intuitions, other than the way we feel about our society and our, and our own visceral experiences to address what's going on and to understand it. So when I say that we're on a civilization level collapse or the brink of that, what I mean by civilization is the frameworks for how we think, how we operate, how we solve problems, how we meet our needs, and that can be thought of as the way that we mass educate, the way that we parent our children, the way that we all go to college and we get jobs that we earn money at, that we then take that money and we 
go to the grocery store to buy groceries, right? These are, this is like a framework that we do it here in America. We do it in Canada. We do it in Mexico. We do it in South America. We do it in Europe, China, Asia, Vietnam, Australia. The entire world is essentially working under the same precepts. It's the same framework. We govern people in essentially the same way. And although the American government and the Chinese government are by a number of metrics different, they are by a lot of metrics exactly the same. So, also our civilization as we know it, this framework that I'm talking about, how we think, how we educate, how we work, how we exchange money, how we meet our needs, how we solve problems collectively, our collective intelligence, our collective decision-making, all of these things have brought us to where we are. This is the framework that we've been using for 15,000 plus years as humanity. And in general, it has produced seven plus billion people at a life, a quality of life that we have never seen before. We are living better than we have, but there is some brink to that, right? And we see it in a number of ways. We see it as um, civil unrest in places like Venezuela as the and Syria as the governance infrastructure breaks down. We see it as ecology collapse in different habitats. Uh, including the ocean and the Amazon. And there are different ways that we can like measure this. And those are all different examples of how our frameworks are not solving the problems that we actually face now. Okay. Got some notes here. That's what I'm looking at over here. So the, the problems that we face are not going to be solved by the frameworks that we've been using for these 15,000 years as humanity, right? And so a couple of those other examples that or let me let me rephrase. Our frameworks that we've been using for 15,000 years are now inadequate to solve the problems that we currently face. They are going to fall short in meeting the needs for the population as we go forward in time. There are other ways that our civilization can break down on its own accord. Those are things like nuclear war and um, civil unrest and complete financial breakdown, right? Um, The system that has built itself of fiat currency, global fiat currency could completely fall on its face. And that is actually the system itself falling apart and not necessarily a symptom of the system not meeting the needs uh, that we're currently facing as humanity. But I think that it's important to understand the problem that we're actually facing because yesterday I talked extensively about the information ecology problem that we're having in that the media is untrustworthy, the government is untrustworthy, there is a overwhelm of information available to us, 
and we have limited cognitive bandwidth to sort through all the myriad information and try to distill for our own purposes what is actually true, what we should be listening to, what, how we make decisions based on all of that flood of information, right? And that is a huge problem that we're facing, the information ecology being poisoned, being polluted, and being broken. But we can also think of our problem as having an exponential population that we are all growing that is exponentially powerful in its ability to have impact on the environment and the society at large, as well as less and less sense-making. Okay, As Daniel Schmachtenberger says, we are running faster and faster through the woods, blinder and blinder. And it's only a matter of time before we run smack dab headfirst into something hard. So, to help you understand this, we can look at a couple of examples. Basically, if you think about a few hundred years ago or a thousand years ago as man was trying to extract resources for his own tribe, a finite resource, let's say it's wood from the forest, but all he has is axes, then one tribe can damage a certain habitat, a certain environment, but can't damage all of them, can't destroy all of them. But as humanity grows in population, but our tools that we use grow in power exponentially, we find ourselves in a unique position where as humans, as humanity, we can actually fuck up the entire system for everyone always, okay? And that looks like as our tools increase in power exponentially, those look like going from axes to saws to chainsaws to huge machines that have multiple chainsaws that drag and helicopters and imagine the human human's ability to harvest trees from a forest from a thousand years ago having an axe to today where we have huge mechanized industrial size equipment that can fall limb and move huge amounts of lumber in a short period of time you can also look at the evolution of fishing where from the beginning where we have a rod and reel or we have a guy with a small net that he works by hand, all the way growing to industrial-sized cargo ships that use huge drag nets, drag nets that cover miles of the ocean at a time, and they pick up every living fucking thing that's in the ocean and splat it onto the deck of some gigantic ship. You can imagine that if we continue on that route that the ocean, we could very well exhaust what are linear resources, right? We're on a linear playing field. Trees and fish grow in the forest and the ocean at a linear rate. And as we grow exponentially in population and our tools grow exponentially in their power to extract these linear resources, you can clearly see that that is a, that is something that is 
self-terminating, right? As Jason Silva says, as man grows closer and closer to having the power of God's, if he does not have the wisdom, consideration, and love of God's, that is in in that is guaranteed to be self-terminating. It is guaranteed to be self-terminating. If we have the exponential power to extract resources without an exponential power to understand the implications of our actions, that is something that is guaranteed to be self-terminating. And self-terminating in this context is humanity running out of resources and humanity going extinct because it couldn't foresee the consequences of its actions. Okay. This is a drum that this is a drum that the environmentalists have been banging, but the environmentalists have such a myopic view, such a tunnel visioned view, such a zoomed in view of that that they're actually not seeing the entire picture that is a more holistic view of the problem. Okay? As Daniel Schmachtenberger says, we are running faster and faster through the woods, blinder and blinder. And it is only a matter of time before we run headfirst into something quite hard. Okay. Also, it's important to realize that each individual has an exponentially increased ability to have impact. First, each person can have more impact just by their sheer ability to consume. We have more income. We have more ability to burn fossil fuels and to cut down trees and to destroy environments and just on an individual level, right? But also it is said that, you know, a hundred years ago, it took huge, the biggest nation states on the planet and their militaries, huge amounts of time, effort, and expenditure to develop technologies like the atomic bomb that could potentially have worldwide implications. Whereas it's said now that a handful of PhD biochemical research students with access to a good laboratory could develop some kind of uh, weapon that could have, that could wreak worldwide havoc, right? So we have exponential population with a ability to have an exponential impact with exponentially powerful tools, but we are playing this whole game on a linear playing field. And that is guaranteed to be self-terminating. Okay, so this is the problem that we're facing as humanity. This is the problem that the environmentalists are talking about, but the environmentalists are also missing a huge part of the picture here because I want to talk about the systems that we are 
imploring and we have been imploring in humanity in general for the entire history of civilization or what we could call civilization. Although it, the more and more you watch it, it doesn't seem that civilized. And as we call it humanity, we realize that it's actually not that humane. But civilization and humanity might be terms that we aim towards for the next iteration of our systems. Okay, so let's talk about systems here for a second. There's three kinds of systems. There are three kinds of systems. There are simple systems, complicated systems, and complex systems. Okay, A simple system is something like tic-tac-toe, where the possible iterations, every possible iteration of tic-tac-toe could be drawn on a single piece of paper. And even a young child can watch the patterns of the system and they can learn the patterns and become proficient at playing the game, right? A complicated system is something like a Boeing, a Boeing 777, right? And this is an example that Jordan Greenhall uses to describe complicated systems. The Boeing 777 is extremely complicated, right? It has so many moving parts. It has myriad different systems that require very deep understanding to manage. But the base principle of complicated systems is that the systems over time do not change, right? So that allows you to, as a team of engineers or as a aviation mechanic, you can write the manual for the Boeing 777 and or read the manual for the 777 and manage its systems, right? And even though that example is so complicated that one person is not apt to be able to manage the entire system of a Boeing 777, there is an ability of multiple people to come together to understand and manage all of the systems involved in that complicated system. But a few of the properties of a complicated system are that they are externally designed. They are an idea. They are blueprints manifested in some physical form, right? They are also fragile to collapse meaning that the plane can break beyond repair. The plane can blow up, okay? Complex systems are things like our bodies, our minds, our relationships, our economy, our ecology, and evolution. These are systems that are self-organizing. They are not an external design. Complex systems are self-organizing and they are emergent. They are results of years and years of uncontrolled but other 
very complex systems that work and synergize to create a emergent property, right? Our bodies are complex in ways that we cannot blueprint our way out of. We cannot use complicated systems to manage the complex systems of our body. We know that when we cut our skin that we cannot fix it through some kind of design. Our body, our complex system that is self-organizing and emergent is the only thing that can heal the cut on our skin, right? But for 15,000 plus years as humans, we have used complicated systems to manage complex ones. And it's not that it is absolutely doesn't work at all because we have seen, here we are in 2020, we've got 7 billion people who have lived pretty good, right? We've done a lot of different shit. But the complicated systems are coming to a point or the complex systems, say, our society, our relationships, our economies, our governance structures are evolving in such a way that the complicated systems that we have used for so long are no longer fit to manage the complex systems that we are, that we have, right? It's pretty interesting. It's pretty fucking interesting. So you can imagine that our governance structures, the governments around the world, our financial institutions, our educational institutions, our supply chains, how we get our food, how we move information, all of these different things are complicated systems that we use to try to manage the complex system of our lives, ourselves, our relationships, our societies, our communities, right? It's important, okay? So we've been using complicated systems for 15,000 years to manage our complex systems, but that is not working, right? So we've got ecology collapse, our economies are just held up by this really thin thing called fiat currencies and the Federal Reserve that's about to inject huge amounts of money into our economy, which caused inflation and blah, 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 right? The systems are fragile. They are very fragile. And this is a huge, huge problem because one of the properties of complex systems is that they're anti-fragile, right? Your body as a complex system is anti-fragile. I mean, you can bump your head, you can cut your skin, and the whole thing, you don't die. You don't die, right? You can even bump your head, cut your hand, break your leg, break your back. Man, you can still survive, right? Our bodies are self-organizing emergent systems that are anti-fragile and they are very resilient, 
Very, very resilient, right? And as I talked about yesterday on the podcast and here on the Facebook Live, things like we have been trading resilience for efficiency for a really long time, and it's a bad trade, right? As we trade resiliency in our food systems for efficiency, we get fragility, right? We grow all of the tomatoes in central California, which is really good because the price of tomatoes goes down and we can have tomatoes year round. But if central California has a problem, we've all got a tomato problem. We have fragility in our tomato systems, right? Trading resilience for efficiency is a bad trade and we've been doing it for a really, really long time. At like at least 50 years here in America. We need resiliency. And resiliency is an inherent property of complex systems that are self-organizing and emergent. Okay? So, historically, where you see complicated systems not functioning to manage complex systems. You can look at tyrannical governments. You can see it in Venezuela and Syria. You can see it in the Federal Reserve and the economic crash we had in 2008 and the one we had in 1999 and just go back and back and back to seeing examples of where complicated systems don't match up to the complexity of complex systems, right? Complex systems change over time. Complicated systems to manage complex systems have to become more and more complicated, which just is self-terminating, right? So what does this all mean? What does this all mean? We have to admit a couple of things. Once we have this knowledge, once we understand the problems that we're facing, we have to admit a couple of things, okay? The first thing that we have to admit is that complicated systems are unfit to solve the problems of complex ones. And as our systems become more and more complex, exponentially so by population, by power, by extraction on linear resources, the complicated systems that we have created, those are complicated systems of governance, of finance, of control, of supply, those are becoming more and more evident to be insufficient to solve our problems and to meet our needs, right? So we have to admit that complicated systems won't work and that reform won't work either. We cannot just make more complicated blueprints here, as Schmachtenberger says. We can't just make more complicated government, more complicated systems of economy. They are, at, in their nature, insufficient. We have to admit that. We have to recognize that. Because, essentially, we're in a time where people on both sides of the political spectrum are rawing this raw that 
if only they were given control that they would solve it with their complicated systems. But the reality is that neither Bernie nor Trump are equipped to meet the needs of our increasingly complex system with more complicated systems. Just doesn't work like that. Okay? We are a caterpillar. Humanity is a caterpillar and we are trying to become a butterfly, right? And this, the caterpillar to butterfly analogy from biology has really profound implications and insights for us as humanity. And let's go into that for a second. So caterpillars, if you're familiar with a caterpillar, caterpillars' lives are based on consumption. Caterpillars eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And if you are a biologist without knowledge of butterflies and you watch caterpillars, you think, oh my God, these things are about to collapse the ecology that they're in because caterpillars eat at an unsustainable rate. They eat all the leaves off of all the trees that they're around and they don't pollinate shit. But a caterpillar doesn't know why he's eaten. And at some point in a caterpillar's life, it has this innate sensation that it needs to take a long nap on a very specific branch inside of a sleeping bag that it makes out of its butt, right? We know that as a cocoon. So the caterpillar's life is essentially gathering amino acids, carbohydrates, sugars, proteins, all these different things by eating, 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 eating. It's not giving back anything. And then it takes this long nap in a cocoon. And the parallel that we have in humanity is quite profound that we have been consuming and taxing our environments with our with our consumption and our growth for a really long time but the question of whether or not the humanity will collapse on itself and kill the environment in which it lives is dependent on whether we can transform into the butterfly. And there is a common misconception of the biology of a caterpillar to butterfly that a caterpillar goes into chrysalis inside of the cocoon and its metamorphosis looks like it growing wings. And it is important to recognize that inside of a cocoon, a caterpillar does not grow wings. Inside of a cocoon, a caterpillar dissolves into goo. A caterpillar fucking dies and dissolves into goo, man. Only then... Does the DNA and the material that the caterpillar ate and collected, does it reorganize, self-organize, and emerge into a completely different 
thing. The body of the caterpillar and the body of the butterfly are completely different. The material that is making up the caterpillar's legs dissolves into goo and can create his head, right? The parallel in humanity is that there is some transition period between the consumers that we are currently that tax our environments and our and each other in an unsustainable rate there is some transition period where we dissolve into goo right before we reemerge as a self-sustaining humane civilized, self-organizing, emergent society, humanity, species, right? Chrysalis for humanity, the cocoon of humanity, the dissolution of our bodies, that parallel where the caterpillar dissolves into goo before it can become a butterfly is scary. Because from the outside, that looks like chaos, right? That looks like a, that looks like chaos. That looks like civil unrest. That looks like a breakdown of our supply chain, of our governance, of our information systems, of our economies, of our ecologies. Those are things that we really want to avoid as humans. Those are things that we really want to avoid as humanity. So instead of a drastic iteration of humanity that we are going to have to break down into total chaos, tyranny, murder, suffering, and then try to rebuild into civilization, what we really want to do is have some kind of transition, right? Some kind of time where we are implementing these systems in our lives individually and that spreads to millions of people that we then are self-organizing and emerging these properties that create a sustainable civilization, right? Very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting stuff. We are a caterpillar and we want to be a butterfly. And we, if we can, at all costs, can we please avoid dissolving in a cocoon into goo, right? Because humanity in a cocoon dissolving into goo really doesn't look good. And we have seen in humanity different times where our systems have broken down, right? In Venezuela, Syria, in the most recent cases, 2008, our economy collapsed. These are ways that our complicated systems that we use to manage our complex systems have broken down and they are unfit to manage our complex systems. And that is what the goo of humanity in chrysalis looks like. And we want to avoid that at all costs, right? It's not good. But if we are to upgrade our system toolkit 
meaning that if we are to upgrade our systems of governance, of economy, how we manage our environment, how we manage the climate and our own behavior, if we're going to upgrade that, we also have to upgrade our motivational toolkit. And this is really interesting, okay? Our motivational toolkit looks like how we are incentivized to work for ourselves and for other people, right? So if we currently live in a system where we have to work for scarce resources that we're pretty much um, sorry, I had to write something. Um, if we're having to compete for scarce resources, then we are in this win-lose dynamic where I need to compete to win a finite resource over my neighbor so that my um, family, myself, can continue living, right? And that is a, as we can see, see it, Christo, as we can see the win-lose dynamics that we are currently implementing, these complicated systems that try to manage our complex systems, are win-lose dynamics. And as they are iterated over time, we can begin to see that a win-lose dynamic that we're in becomes a lose-lose dynamic for everyone all the time, right? If we continue to extract resources at a exponential rate with exponential power, then we will find ourselves at the end of that road, right? So we have to upgrade our motivational toolkit because we see that our rivalrous dynamics, our competitive win-lose, self-serving, zero-sum, tribal motivations are at their nature self-terminating. Okay, so the question then becomes, what do we do? How do we how do we put on the brakes of humanity so that we can steer ourselves away from the inevitable cliff that we are racing towards? Well, yesterday I talked a lot about what Jordan Greenhall is recommending, which is very simple, and it all starts in the individual. On my podcast, I bang that drum pretty much constantly that is if we want to change society you have to change yourself every time it starts with the individual every time you can't force society into something that is not emergent okay and so yesterday we talked about upgrading your own sovereignty upgrading your own discernment, meaning that you can make better decisions, that you can see what is right and wrong more clearly, and upgrading your own integrity, meaning that your thoughts and words and behaviors are all in line with that discernment, with that best decision-making. And we also have to upgrade our consideration that we can see further 
into the consequences of our actions, right? Because obviously, if we know that we can kill the oceans through industrial fishing, then we'll probably stop industrial fishing. But that hinges on our both our systemic toolkit, meaning that we can get fish in some other way than a self-terminating one, but also a motivational toolkit change because the whale that's worth a million bucks on a boat is not worth not anything alive in the ocean, right? So there's these motivational and incentive things that we have to change inside of ourselves, okay? And like Silva says and other philosophers say, as humans grow to have the power of gods, we also have to grow to have the consideration, the wisdom, the love of gods. Because if we don't, it is inexorably self-terminating. It's guaranteed to blow up in our faces. And we only have to look at the history of humanity to understand that, that civilization is not inherently stable. Civilization is not inherently stable. And like I said before, our own intuitions are insufficient in recognizing that fact. Because our intuitions are conditioned by our own experience. And so if we have not in our own experience witnessed mass collapse of any of these different systems from governance to economy to ecology to supply, if we haven't experienced the collapse of those kinds of systems, then our intuition is not conditioned to even believe it's possible right? But we only have to look not even into history because it's currently happening in small places right now, like Syria and Venezuela, where the systems of governance and supply are breaking down and broken, and they find the population finds themselves in chaos with their needs being unmet, with the problems being unsolved. So we don't have to look into history to understand that we're skidding towards a cliff. And I also push back against the environmentalists who think that that's the only cliff that we're skidding towards. But it is true, just like Daniel Schmachtenberger says, we are running faster and faster through the woods, blinder and blinder. And it's only a matter of time before we run headfirst into something real hard. We don't want that. So, like I said, where do we go from here? We go to upgrading our own sovereignty, becoming more self-sufficient, we go to upgrading our discernment, having a better sense-making system in our own minds, our own ability to discern what is true and what is untrue, what is baby and what is bathwater, as well as upgrading 
our integrity. That once we can actually make good decisions for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our countries, that we are integrous and we speak and act with that discernment, integrated, right? Tomorrow, we will talk about other ways that we can do that, more specific ways, how we upgrade our sovereignty, how we upgrade our integrity, how we upgrade our discernment. But thanks for tuning in today. Like I said in the beginning of the show, if you appreciate the show and this podcast, please feel free to donate. That is paypal.me slash airy in the air. I really appreciate you tuning in and sharing this message. We will see you tomorrow, folks. Peace.